الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا بني آدم خذوا زينتكم عند كل مسجد وكلوا واشربوا ولا تسرفوا إنه لا يحب المسرفين صدق الله العظيم وسبحانه وتعالى كرام brothers and elders many a times there are things in day to day life which are regarded as things that have either no real impact on a person's future on his health on his dunya on his akhirat but sometimes it is the very very the very small things which we regard as small the things that we take for granted that have a very deep impact and among these things are the aspects of our dressing what we eat what we drink is all aspects that have a direct impact on every person in this ayat of the quran sharif allah taala addresses insan ya bani adam but out of insan obviously it is this mu'min this believer in allah tabaarak wa taala that is going to be really taking note of this allah taala says ya bani adam khudhu zinatakum inda kulli masjid that adopt your adornment this is a literal translation of the word zinatakum for every salah وَكُلُوا وَشْرَبُوا وَلَا تُسْرِفُوا Eat, drink, but do not waste. إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُحِبُّ الْمُسْرِفِينَ إِنَّهُ لَا يُحِبُّ الْمُسْرِفِينَ اللَّهَ تَعَلَىٰ does not love the wasters. On the one side of this is that the occasion on which this ayat was revealed, the background to this ayat, one is in terms of the specific background So in the time of jahiliyat there were certain things that were in vogue which this ayat came to refute one of the things that happened in jahiliyat is and this is how shaitan turns the mind of a person sometimes in such a way and warps it in such a way that the person is involved in the very terrible kind of shamelessness and he actually regards it as something good regards it sometimes as even ibadat for example in the times of jahiliyat one of the things that they would do is they would actually make tawaf of the kaaba sharif completely naked and would regard this as an act of great piety to think the and the kind of reasoning which is obviously completely baseless reasoning completely corrupted reasoning but the reasoning they gave for the for doing this in this manner say this clothes of ours we sometimes commit sins in this but not wrong we did while wearing these clothes so 
Now how can we make tawaf of the Kaaba Sharif in this? So therefore, leave all these clothes out. Can we imagine how shaitan turns the mind of a person? And what is totally shameless, what they should actually have thought about is, that the clothes are only on the body. We committed the sins with the body. So rather leave the body aside also. Make tawaf without the body. Just in the soul only. Because it's the limbs that committed the sins. The clothes didn't commit the sins. But shaitan made that disappear from the mind. And brought this fallacious thing, completely unrelated, made the clothes the culprit. This is what often happens, that we ourselves commit various wrongs. We are guilty of various things. But we make many, many other things the scapegoat. Sometimes it is just some jinnat that becomes a scapegoat. Sometimes it is something else. All these things are realities. They have their place. But more often than not, these are just made some scapegoats. So that we can avoid the blame coming on ourselves. Many a times used to make people... Sometimes a person used to do something. He made a mistake. Whatever he did. So he used to reprimand the person. So he said, غلطي ho gayi. غلطي ho gayi means... Mistake happened. I used to reprimand him, say, Mene ghalti ki. Say, I did it wrong. Ghalti ho gayi is like passing the blame on something unknown. Something else caused it. Somebody else is responsible, not me. But by saying, Mene ghalti, I did the wrong. I made the mistake. Now you're taking responsibility. So now there'll be some consciousness, I need to change it also. I need to be more careful in future. So this is a common story that we generally try to shift the blame elsewhere. If it's not on something or somebody that we can pass it around us, then we'll shift the blame on something unseen. Something that we can't see. Some jinnat at least. Or some jinn jadu, whatever it is. But more often than not, this is purely the mischief of our nafs. More often than not, like how we say sometimes, a person gets very angry and he does something things, Say, I lost it. I lost it now, it means that how you lose something. Not your fault, you lost it. It's got lost. So now he lost it. So he's not responsible. He can't be taken to task now because he lost it. No, he's supposed to have kept it. And supposed to have to help fast onto it. Otherwise, if the person gets lost all the time, Allah forbid way he'll finish off. So, here also, this was the way that the kuffar used to continue. So Allah Ta'ala reveal this ayat of the Qur'an Sharif. This is totally shameless. And just as in salah, it is necessary to perform salah in a way that the body is covered correctly. Tawaf also was necessary. This ayat came regarding tawaf actually. Because tawaf, at-tawafu bil-bayti salatun. You know, Hadith Sharif, Nabi Islam says, tawaf of the Kaaba Sharif, this is equivalent to salah. In its reward, in its importance, in its greatness. So therefore the same, some of the same rules will apply in terms of covering oneself, etc. So the same thing applies in terms of salah. So this was the background of the ayat. But, it was not something confined only to that. The Mufassirin explained that the background of the ayat, what is termed as the shan and nuzul, the occasions of revelation, the ruling that comes out of that ayat is not confined to the occasion of the revelation. Rather, that was the initial moment that it came, but the ruling applies till Qiyamat. 
all situations of a similar nature. So now this ayat of the Quran Sharif Allah Ta'ala says, Khudu zinatakum inda kulli masjid. Adopt your good garments at the time of every salah. Salah, salah is communication with Allah Ta'ala. A person is presenting himself in the court of Allah Ta'ala. And when he's presenting himself in the court of dunya, so many a times a person who is dressed very, very casually, so to so say, as we call it, casually, and sometimes in a very, maybe shabby manner also, for some reason he has to attend court. He's going to be standing in the dock, whatever it is. Even if he is the criminal that, that has been charged, we find he dresses up very well to come and stand in the court of dunya. So in the court of dunya, in front of the disbelieving judge, even there he takes care to present himself in a way that is befitting that court. Though that's not necessarily something that we would agree with what kind of dressing he has adopted for there. But the thing that the lesson is that he didn't go with the same kind of casual clothing that he wore outside. For that court, he wore something that he felt was befitting that court. When a person comes to perform salah, he is presenting himself in the court of Allah Ta'ala. So he should be adopting that kind of attire which is befitting the court of Allah Ta'ala. When a person is, for example, let alone himself getting married, it is his best friend that is getting married. It is his brother getting married. And now he is attending that nikah. He's going to be part of that whole occasion. And now in that occasion he came with his t-shirt, with his half jeans, and touched up here and there. And that's what he wears normally. So he will be welcomed very, very nicely. Mashallah, you came really dressed for the occasion. That friend is going to be very offended that you are actually disrespecting my occasion. You are showing disregard for my special occasion. This is my special, this is my, the time, the day of my nikah. And you are coming dressed in as if you're going to the beach or something. So he feels offended that this is not befitting attire for this occasion. Can we imagine the occasion, as-salatun mi'arajul mu'mineen, this is not a hadith sharif. This is the statement of the ahlullah. That salah, what is salah? Salah is like the mi'raj of every mu'min. In salah he actually is communicating with Allah Ta'ala. And he's presented himself in the court of Allah Ta'ala. So this also has its own requirement of how he should present himself. And what should be the attire to present himself with? That kind of attire that is befitting this court. And the attire that is befitting this court, that is what the attire Rasulullah Sallallahu has taught. The attire that he has presented. So this is the one very important aspect. And in this is the respect of Salah is the respect of the masjid, is the respect of the house of Allah Ta'ala, the respect of the court of Allah Ta'ala. So this is the one part of the ayat of the Qur'an Sharif. Ya, ya Bani Adama khudu zinatakum inda kulli masjid. Hazrat Hassan radiallahu ta'ala when he would go to perform salah, he would bring out the best garments he had. Obviously the best garments in the term of what Nabi Islam taught, the best garments that he possessed, he would bring that out. And he would say, I'm going to present myself in front in the court of Allah Ta'ala now. So therefore, I cannot just go anyhow. 
So for example, now sometimes it happens that a person is ill, whatever it is, so he's performing his salah at home. Now he's performing his salah at home, so he might have been dressed in his night clothes, and now he woke up for fajr. But it is not appropriate that he now performs his salah in that clothing which he would not appear even in front of some visitor that came to visit him in his house. He would go to change that and dress himself differently to come in the presence of that visitor. Now he is performing salah in front of Allah Ta'ala. So it requires that he takes that little effort to wear appropriate garments. The garments and attire that he would present himself in some court with. The court of Allah Ta'ala. Obviously the requirement that is befitting that court. So in any case, this is the respect of salah. It is giving importance to this communication with Allah Ta'ala. It is giving due regard for this moment that Allah Ta'ala has given this opportunity and afforded this opportunity that come and stand in front of me. And come and put your head down and bow down in front of me. Comes in the Hadith Sharif that the closest a person gets to Allah Ta'ala is when he is in sajda. And when a person has been invited by some very highly placed official, some minister, whoever, then he takes care to, att- to make sure that that occasion is he's going in the most appropriate manner, he's attired properly, whatever it is. This is Allah Ta'ala giving the opportunity to get closest to him. Then Allah Ta'ala says, وَكُلُوا وَشْرَبُوا وَلَا تُسْرِفُوا The other thing that the people in Jahiliyat used to do, that in the days of Hajj, one was as far as his tawaf is concerned, in this shameless manner they used to make tawaf. The Quran Sharif refuted this. Allah Ta'ala denounced this, that this is totally shameless. Then the other thing they would do in Jahiliyat is, in the days of Hajj they would regard it as a kind of sin. Now what was a sin that they regarded as Nawazubillah ibadat? That it was sinful to make tawaf in that shameless manner of the Kaaba Sharif. That they turned it into ibadat. And what was permissible, what Allah Ta'ala did not forbid, they regarded it now as a sin to eat anything beyond what was absolutely necessary. Meaning barely a person can stay alive. Now that bare minimum during the days of Hajj. Now while they are performing Hajj in the days of Hajj, in Jahiliya they used to make Hajj according to their own way. But this was part of the Hajj which they included from their side. The interpolation that they made. And they regarded it as a sin now, that you must not eat anything beyond what the bare minimum for survival is that much. Allah Ta'ala refuted this also. وَكُلُوا وَشْرَبُوا Eat and drink. Allah Ta'ala didn't forbid this. So this is changing deen. Something Allah Ta'ala has not made as ibadat to make it ibadat. To now regard it as necessary. Something Allah Ta'ala has not forbidden to forbid it. And to regard indulging in that as haram. Like eating and drinking. Halal, ni'mat Allah Ta'ala has provided. Now to regard it as haram in that time. All this is interfering with deen. And all this opens the door to actually going far away from deen. Because now a person is making up his own deen. What hasn't come from Allah and his Rasul this is what he is doing from his side. So, in time nothing gets left. It just gets left with some customary things. Otherwise deen is completely just a name of some kind of things that he has 
just from the figment of his imagination. And this is a very dangerous situation. Sometimes it becomes worse than a person committing sins which he realizes he's sinning. He understands and acknowledges that this is a sin. That is sometimes lesser of a danger than the person doing something from his own side where he has interfered with deen. He has interpolated deen, distorted deen. And something that is not an ibadat, he is now made it an ibadat. Something Allah Ta'ala hasn't forbidden, now he's making it forbidden and regarding that as deen. Because there's no way that he even think of making tawbah from this. That person committing a sin and acknowledging it, that he's sinning. Inshallah he'll make tawbah. This person will get deeper into this. And get further away from deen. So Allah Ta'ala refuted this also. No, no, don't make this from your own side. Wakulu washrabu, eat and drink. But yes, wala tusrifu. Don't exceed the bounds. Don't exceed the bounds in anything. Don't exceed the bounds even in eating and drinking. You, you eat and drink to your need. Don't exceed the bounds. One is exceeding the bounds by eating what is not halal that is definitely exceeding the bounds very far away. That has transgressed all the bounds and limits. Then a person is eating halal but is eating beyond his need. That too is exceeding the bounds. One, in the time of Harun Rashid, one person who was a Christian, but he was a very expert tabib, a doctor, Hakim of that time. So he was in this court of Harun Rashid as the doctor of the Harun Rashid and his court and his royal, the royal family, etc. So one day he asked, one great buzrug of the time, Hussein bin Ali bin Waqid rahmatullahi. So he said to him that your Quran doesn't have anything to do with tib, anything to do with medicine. Whereas there's only two kinds of knowledge that is really something. One is ilmul adyan, the knowledge of religion itself. The other is ilmul abdan, knowledge which pertains to the physical self, which you can call medicine. So now this is a very big deficiency in your Quran Sharif. It doesn't deal with medicine at all. So he replied to him and said that whole, the whole crux of medicine is in half an ayat. Let alone the whole ayat. He says half an ayat? He said, Kulu washrabu wala tusrifu. Eat and drink, but don't exceed the bounds. This person was shocked. He said, what you have said is 100%. That this is the root of all medicine. That a person eats and drinks in moderation and he eats and drinks what is correct. He eats and because anything is incorrect, maybe sometimes something in itself might be fine. But it's not suitable for him. That is also exceeding the bound. Person, certain foods don't agree with him. It doesn't agree with him, but because it tastes very good to him, now he can't avoid it. But now he's going to exceed the bound, obviously. He's going to harm him. So he was totally taken aback. He said, indeed, this is something which the whole essence of medicine has come in here. Because this is a narration which the muhaddisin have regarded as a weak narration, but nevertheless it's not something that is totally discarded either or fab- regarded as a fabrication. Where in one narration it is mentioned that the stomach 
This is the house of illness. Meaning if the stomach is not in order, then the whole body is nourished from the stomach. The stomach is not in order, it will take sickness to the entire body. The stomach is working correctly, then it will take good nourishment to the entire body. And it will nourish the entire body in a way that it will bring health to it. Otherwise, sickness will get to the entire body. And the second half of the narration is that abstention is the root of every medicine. Abstention meaning, as we call perhez, ijtinab. That abstaining from that which is exceeding the bounds, in whichever way it might be. When a person abstains from that which will exceed the bounds, for one person might be one thing sometimes, for another person will be something else. But he's abstaining from whatever will exceed the bounds. Then that is the root to every medicine, meaning that is the root to health. Good health will come as a result. So this person was totally astounded that yes, everything has come in this. So in this wala tusrifu, one meaning of this is and don't waste. One is exceeding the bounds. Wasting is also exceeding the bounds. Because this is now disregarding the ni'mat of Allah Ta'ala. So Allah Ta'ala is saying, don't exceed the bounds, don't transgress the limits. That is also transgressing the limits. Allah Ta'ala is blessed with some ni'mat. The person is disregarding the ni'mat. He's not giving it due consideration. One person, years ago, perhaps this might have been 30 odd years ago, he was referring to some incident. One of the people from South Africa, he had gone to Jalalabad, Hazrat and this was the first time he had gone to any Khanqa for that matter, first time he had gone into the company of some Buzrug. So the first day that he was there, Hazrat happened to decide to go to the kitchen where everybody, or the dining, dining place where people used to sit and have their meals. So as he walked past, he just came past there, somebody had probably had some tea, some tea was spilt on the Dasarkhan. So he spontaneously went down to the Dasr Khan. There was a spoon lying there as well. He took that spoon and started filling up that because on a plastic mat it was Dasr Khan. So it was still standing there. He took that spoon and began filling in this tea that was lying there into the cup. And whatever he could manage to fill in there and scrape out and then he drank it up. So he says that now this was the first time he had been in a place went to learn something and he saw this, and he was totally taken aback. He says, 30, whatever time had passed now, 25, 30 years. He says, one, I see one grain getting wasted, and it shakes me. As a result of that, what I saw. The impact of that incident has been so deep, he says, in my heart, that I can't bear one grain, one drop getting wasted. And indeed, every grain, every drop is the ni'mat of Allah Ta'ala. Wala tusrifu. Allah Ta'ala is saying, don't waste it. For example, a person has eaten something. He's eaten something, that plate. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would lick the fingers clean. And he would lick that utensil clean. And he would also state, You have no idea in which particle of food all the barakat was in there. Now you discarded some part of it, you just let it go. All the barakat was lying in that. But now these things are not given due regard. A person drinks something. Many people just leave 
a portion, just leave it behind. That little bit of tea, that little bit of whatever drink that they had. And it's just discarded and then it's thrown away. That's a na'mat of Allah Ta'ala. If a person was not wanting to drink so much, he should have asked for half to start off with. One place, one person had a cup, that cup was made half. And then there was an inscription on it also, you asked for half. So many times people ask for half a cup, so you're giving him a full-size cup, but it's cut in half. So you can give him half a cup. So the point was that he's going to waste something, you'd rather ask for half, and rather have half, rather than waste anything. For example, the spoon now that was used to dish out the food. Now many a times there's some grains or some particle of whatever it is left on that spoon is taken and put into the sink. And that food is getting washed away. Yes, it's food. That too is a na'mat of Allah Ta'ala. That too is a bounty of Allah Ta'ala. When will a person appreciate this bounty, this gift, this small particle of food also? To the extent that he has recognized the giver of that bounty. Person sometimes, for example, now some stranger just came along, met him, whatever the case is, and he gives him some gift, some hadiyah, and it is quite a, maybe substantial amount also, or something of big value also, fine. Now he doesn't know the person from anywhere, the person gave it to him. He doesn't even think much about maybe passing that on to somebody else. I don't know, somebody gave me this, you keep it, you need it maybe. But somebody who he holds in high esteem, his parents gave him something, his ustad gave him something, his sheikh gave him something. Imagine the, some, the imam of the haram came and he gave him one hadiyah. That thing might have been worth two rands. Maybe one tasbih he gave him. But ask him to part, from, part with that. That this is a golden tasbih. You take this and give me that one. He said, no, you keep your golden tasbih. This is more valuable for me. But where the value came in that? From where did the value come? The value came because of the giver. Because he holds the giver in that respect. He, go, he holds the giver in that esteem. Whereas in this dunya, all who give anything to are all the creation of Allah Ta'ala. That person who we hold in high esteem, we have to respect all those who Allah Ta'ala has made a means of deen coming to us, etc. But they are all the makhluk of Allah Ta'ala. They are all just in need of Allah Ta'ala as we are. Allah Ta'ala is the benefactor to everybody. Allah Ta'ala is the giver of everything. So that one grain also is Allah Ta'ala's ni'mat. To the extent that a person will recognize the giver, he'll appreciate the bounty. To that extent, he will respect that bounty. To that extent, he will give due regard to it. Now that gift which is monetary of monetary value, very minimal, was given by somebody of high esteem and high respect, he looks after it in that way. He keeps it and places it in a place of his, he doesn't, doesn't leave it lying around. Whereas it's just that ordinary hanky like anybody else got. But this is not, an, he calls it sentimental. He says this thing has got sentimental value. So where did the sentimental come from? It came from where it came. What can be more sentimental than that which Allah Ta'ala gave? So Shah Abdul Ghani Pulpuri Rahmatullah used to one said to Hazrat Shah Kiwakta Sahib Rahmatullah that I'm eating this dal but I'm getting the taste of biryani. So Hazrat this dal, this simple dal food, how can you be getting the taste of biryani? For us it might have just been some imagination. He says, I am not looking at what I am eating. I am looking at who is feeding me. 
Allah Ta'ala has given this to me. And behind this hand of mine is the hand of Allah Ta'ala. So when that reality really dawns in the heart, it changes the whole concept, it changes the whole mindset, changes the whole focus. So Allah Ta'ala is saying, don't waste. Don't exceed the bounds in anything. Don't transgress the limits. Otherwise in transgressing the limits, then this Allah Ta'ala says, إِنَّهُ لَا يُحِبُّ الْمُسْرِفِينَ Allah Ta'ala does not love those who transgress the limits, those who waste, those who exceed the bounds. Now, in this line of tasawwuf, this is the core issue to earn the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala, to become the beloved of Allah Ta'ala. So these are things that deprive a person of the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala doesn't love the one who wastes. Allah Ta'ala does not love the one who exceeds the limits. So now a person wishes to become beloved to Allah Ta'ala, among other things, these are things also that he has to be very conscious about. In wudu, wasting water, Nabi Islam said, even if a person is making wudu at the river bank, out there whatever water is going to use will fall back there. He says, don't even use more water than necessary, even at the river bank. And in the hadith it comes that washing the limb more than three times, this is israf. Even if at the river, river bank, it will be israf. So this, these are lessons that we are being given right in the Quran Sharif, right in the ayat of the Quran Sharif, that we should be conscious of all these na'mats of Allah Ta'ala. And all these things, what kind of clothing a person wears, what kind of food he eats, all this has an impact on him, on his heart, on his thinking, on his behavior. And all these things has an impact on dunya, it has an impact on his akhirat also. So these are things that we have to be thinking about, reflecting on our lives, seeing what we might be doing that needs to be adjusted, to be changed. Are we wasting anything? And this is not something confined only to eating and drinking. For example, lights, electricity. If it's not necessary to have something on, that's wastage. Hazrat Ali um, Amir Hussein when he had come down so he was many places giving the talk in that he would bring this always so many times people waste things for example they, they waste lights person says no but I'm paying for it so he says now this is a double sin one is you wasting the electricity that's already wastage then you're wasting the money that Allah Ta'ala gave you to pay for the wasted electricity so it's not that that justifies it, that doubles the sun, that compounds it. Otherwise we think, well, okay, I paid for it, so I didn't take anybody else's thing. No, no, this is also Allah Ta'ala's gift. And that money is also Allah Ta'ala's gift. And that's an amanat as well. So now that's not to be wasted. Rahmatullah many times, when he had been in South Africa on previous, while he was still healthy, so he used to have sometimes programs after Fajr, and that program would continue sometime to close to Ishaq time or more. So many a times, now after Fajr, so obviously it's still dark, so the lights would be on in the masjid. Sometimes, in the course of that bayan, he would suddenly look around and say, okay, somebody please put the light off and see, is it bright enough? So in the midst of the bayan, he would ask somebody to put the light off, say, no, well, it's bright enough now, because it's almost sunrise time, so it's bright enough, there's no need for the light now. So fine, leave it now, comes around. And will carry on with the talk. To that extent, this consciousness that nothing must be wasted. 
Allah Ta'ala give us the tawfiq as well. That these are all very essential aspects. Very important aspects. Not just for the sake of some kind of saving of money. No, it is all impacting on our connection with Allah Ta'ala. That to what extent we take care of the na'mat of Allah Ta'ala. And we appreciate the na'mat of Allah Ta'ala and use it the way Allah Ta'ala is pleased with. Allah Ta'ala give us all the tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana. Alhamdulillah.